The Lucky 10,000 Season 4 with your host, Evan. This season, badass women from history. Hey everybody, this is Evan with The Lucky 10,000, welcoming you to Season 4. I want to thank Podbean and Stitcher for hosting us. If you like the song you heard at the beginning of the episode, that is a song by a band called Reason Defined, and the song is called Kingdom. We'll be playing the entire song proper at the end of the episode. We would also like to thank their singer, Paulina, for supplying us the vocal track that you heard uh, introducing you to season four of the Lucky 10,000. And this is the podcast that you can email, lucky10,000 at gmail, our Twitter, at lucky and underscore 10K. And this is the podcast that hopes to get you luckier than the first woman to do anything and when i uh, approached people about doing the podcast this season most of them were from last season one of the easiest people to talk to from last season also has guested on the bearded ones uh is good friend and local actor brian reader brian what's going on brian reader everybody hey and welcome to the lucky <laughs> Ten Thousand, sir and i approached here. you uh, about who you would like to talk to for badass women of history. Yes. And there's a couple of people who knew exactly who they wanted to talk about right away. You were going back and forth a little bit, but yeah. we decided on Phyllis Wheatley. And what's yes. interesting to me about this and what I'm excited about about this is that so far this season of the episodes that have been recorded, we've done Queen Elizabeth, we've done uh, Harriet Tubman, oh, yeah. we've done... Uh, uh, Angela Lansbury. Oh, wow. All these are people that people have heard of and they know what they did. Yeah. When you send me Phyllis Wheatley, I, went, <laughs> I know that name, Yeah. but I don't know why. So that gave me the opportunity to research a little bit too. And I would like to start actually by reading uh, just a little something, a little blurb. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a poem. By one Miss Phyllis Wheatley, mm -hmm. and we'll get to why that's important in a second. And it's it's called on being brought from from Africa to America. Mm -hmm. Twas mercy brought me from my pagan land, taught me benighted soul to understand. Taught my benighted soul to understand mm. that there's a God, that there's a Savior too. Mm. Once I redemption neither sought nor knew. Some view our sable race with scornful eye. The color is a diabolical dye. Remember, Christians, Negroes, black as Cain, may be refined and join the angelic train. Mm. It's powerful yeah, shit. That is, that is, for real. But it's also really interesting because we are talking off mic about how we're kind of conflicted about some yeah. aspects of her life. And we'll just go ahead and say it. In case you don't know, Phyllis Wheatley was a poet yeah. uh, just before and during the American Revolutionary War. Mm -hmm. And she was... The second African-American published poet, the first female published poet, and she did it while still being a slave. Still a slave. So tell me a little bit about Phyllis Wheatley, Brian Reader. Phyllis Wheatley is a, 
she's little known because you know most of the women that uh, that are known about from that particular period are like your Harriet Tubman's and women mm-hmm. like that or whatever. But a lot of your artists, like like Phyllis Wheatley, go um, either unnoticed or just unmentioned or whatever. But Phyllis, oh, excuse me, Miss Wheatley. I I first learned of Miss Wheatley when I started with the Phyllis Wheatley Repertory Theater. Okay. That, yeah, that's that was and and then that's what got me interested in her and and then where where is that theater? That's over off of uh, off of two ninety one right here in Greenville. On, that's right here. Uh, I don't yeah, think I've ever. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, man. We. I, I, I must be there. a racist. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just just um. Just hadn't been on that side of town or whatever. Oh. But yeah, this, I'm racist actually, by ignorance. But actually, this is the um, this is really gonna hurt your feelings. But this is the one one hundred year anniversary of the Phyllis Wheatley Association here in Greenville. Really? Yes. I think I've heard of the association. That's yeah. probably why her name is familiar. Yeah. But yeah. I had no idea what she did the until. The, yeah. Thank and, you. You decided and, and, to talk and about. Neither it. did I. Yeah. And until the um until I joined the theater and then learned that she was a poet. I'm like, oh, this is a real person. Yeah. But she was she was a slave and was taught how to read and write by her slave masters. Yes. Now that's and then and then that's where we're you know we're, we're, that's where the conflict comes in. Yeah. And then we'll get to that because yeah. it's weird because you don't want to really give anyone credit that's a slave owner, but no. you know, founding fathers were slave owners, right? So. We give them credit. It's, it so seems so trite to say everybody's got a little flaws. But that's I, a pretty big fucking flaw. I appreciate Mr. John Wheatley. <laughs> I appreciate Mr. John Wheatley for teaching uh, for teaching uh, yes. Phyllis how to uh, how to read and write. So and... She, she was born in Africa, mm-hmm. and in my notes it showed that she was kidnapped. At yeah, age... she was. Uh, was she eight or nine? She I think she was. Uh... I have. You got the 10, 11, don't you? It was in, let's see, 1753, they think. She mm-hmm. was born in West Africa. And yeah, kidnapped when she was eight. Eight, yep. I knew it. Yep. When she was eight. And I mean, to think, man, you... We're always told the stories of of, of, uh, of how... Close of up. how of how the um how the slaves were brought from over there mm-hmm. and and a lot of times we we think that they only brought over like teenagers and right. adults or whatever but here this I mean you child. go see roots right and they grab exactly Kinte, who's you know a grown ass man right or at exactly least late teens early 20s right and right. that's horrifying enough right but of course they brought women and children over too right but then to just bring over this a, a young I, I can imagine what well, I couldn't imagine being a little girl or whatever, but I can I can imagine being eight or nine years oh, old. I imagine being a girl a lot. And then, <laughs> give me a second. Give me a second. I, 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 I give you that. I give you that. <sighs> okay. I know. Right? Yeah. I, I would. I would. Man, which <laughs> who needs a bra? The um. <laughs> I might if I keep eating. <laughs> oh yeah. If I became a woman, I would. Yeah. I'm, I'm wearing a, But anyway, mm. she uh, I can imagine being. Not scared, but right. frightened. I mean, you're just eight. I mean, think back. Think back to how you were when you were eight, nine years old. Right. How pretty much riding the bus alone or whatever would That's scare terrifying. you. Right. So can you imagine coming over, coming over an ocean? Yeah. And just torn away from your people, not just your people as as your as your skin color, but right. your people as your family. Yeah. And then just thrown into these people's lives or whatever but I and to add insult to injury to make matters worse the name of the ship she was on was the Phyllis 
She was named after the ship that brought her over. That brought her over. I mean, that's, that's just insane. Hard. Yeah, that is. That but is. as far as slaves go, I can't believe I just said that sentence. <laughs> but, you know, she... And this is where we kind of get into the conflict of the whole situation. Yeah. Because most of the time... And I have a limited knowledge. I, I I should know more about this kind of thing than I do. We always encourage any corrections people want to send. Lucky two thousand at Gmail. If we're getting something wrong, we don't mind. Oh, please correct it or shamed. Please yeah. correct me. Correct me and educate me. So she comes over and she's sold to the Wheatleys, mm-hmm. who are looked at as progressive. Which is so funny what progressive meant then, in you know the eighteenth century, as compared to what it means now. Progressive back then was like. We're nice to our slaves. Yeah. But it was considered a threat even to let slaves be too educated. You didn't want them to know too much. You wanted them to only know what you wanted them to know. Yeah. Enough to do the chores that you wanted them to do. And one of the major things that they wanted you to learn was the Bible. Just just learn yes. how to read the Bible. No, Very much. We don't want you to learn, you know, much about science or not too, you know, not not too much about mathematics no, and no, all no. that good stuff. No, 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 no. no, no. Learn the Bible. Today you learn this Bible and because you learn the words in that Bible. Also, the Bible was used and Christianity was used to prove that you were a lesser being. Right, That exactly. you were an animal. Mm-hmm. That you weren't quite Not human. even a full man, because back, back in the early, early days or whatever, you were only, as a brother or a sister, you were yeah. only two-thirds. Well, as a brother, he was two-thirds a person. And imagine how, like, already physically humiliated you are. And then to have somebody right. just pound into your head day after day, well, God this says is what God that said. I'm right. superior to you. Right, right. And it was, I can't imagine what that would feel like. Mm. But then, so she was bought by John and Suzanne Wheatley. Yeah. And immediately, she was supposed to be just sort of a, a, a servant, a helper to Suzanne. Mm-hmm. But Suzanne noticed an above average intelligence in her. Mm-hmm. And so they decided, well, maybe she couldn't just be, a, maybe we can actually teach her. And this is where we get into the... The damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because right. they took care of her. They right. treated her reasonably respectfully. But you still are my slave. But you're still my slave. Yeah. Like, I'm going to teach you. They taught her um, ba, 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 theology, <coughs> English, mm. Latin, mm. French, ancient history, mythology, and literature. Mm. I mean... No, that is something you just didn't do back then. No science, nothing like that. But I mean, the 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 social sciences, yeah. the intellectual yeah. sciences. Yeah. But it's like, okay, so we've got this person, and and that could also be to, I don't put it past them. That could also be to show off, you know, to their friends or when, when their friends come over for the parties or whatever. It's like, Phyllis, Phyllis, come. Yeah. Show them what we taught you. You know. Yeah. And. Again. Watch my dog. I yeah, put a bo- I put a bone on his nose, and he doesn't exactly. he doesn't eat until I tell him. Exactly. Which is why that first poem I read mm-hmm. is is interesting because we have this idea of what slavery was. Right. But she seems almost content in that poem because she was treated so much better than better the other than slaves, the, yes. and yes. she was taught religion. She just thought that the the impression I get from that she poem, was taught. Period. Yes. To be taught. Period yeah. was a privilege then to a, to a brother or a sister. Yeah, because I mean, you 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 had the others or whatever, and all they knew was that 
the sky's up there, mm-hmm. water's wet, fire's hot, and I ain't free. That's right. all. That, that's all. That's <clears throat> all. That, that's yeah, all. They why knew. not bring her over, free her, then teach her those then things? Then teach her. Right. Right. Take her to school. Right. These people were looked at as true humanitarians at the mm-hmm. time. And but, I think to her, they were because I'm sure she saw the horrors that right. other people had to endure. And for her to be a dark-skinned sister and be yeah. treated like that or whatever. Because back then, or whatever, it was the light-skinned. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the light-skinned slaves that were treated better than, than, uh, than the dark-skinned slaves or what have you. So for her to get all of that and be mm-hmm. a dog sister is awesome to me. That's magic, especially being a dark, dark skinned brother. I mean, I ain't got nothing against light skin. So y'all, y- y'all all right. <laughs> y'all all right. No problem with mocha. <laughs> y'all all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all, y'all cool. But, I mean, and talk about your experience living in the South as a black man. Just to put things in perspective, this is 2019. You were born in 72. 72. Yes, I was sir. born in 77. Same mm-hmm, year Star Wars mm-hmm, came out. Rock on. Mm-hmm. But what's been, we've never really talked about this very deeply, but I think it, ties into this where you know you think there's a certain amount of progression and then every once in a while reality just slaps you in the face what's been your experience being a black man growing up in the south not too many people even know all of this but because i'm finna yeah this, this is some real exclusive stuff here but i've always well most of the time i've gone to predominantly white schools went to duncan chapel went to lake forest mm-hmm. uh graduated from east side but i went to beck middle school or whatever which was you know predominantly black but i've seen i've seen a lot from duncan chapel to east side whereas in my very first my very first girlfriend was a blonde head blue-eyed twin how did that go over that was awesome because she was the (laughs) prettiest she was the prettiest to me she was the prettiest girl in the school but how did that go over Outside of the huh. couple. Well, we only we only interacted whatever during school. The um the teachers didn't mind because they just thought it was cute. You know, yeah. Miss Plowden and all of them, they thought it was cute. Um my friends thought it was cool. Yeah. Because, you know, hey, they couldn't they they didn't even know how to talk to a white girl. But I was like, hey, I I and um I dated well not dated, but I, I, I went with her for first grade. That was um that was Shannon. Shannon, I, I forget her last name. You don't name, have to say her whole name. Yeah, yeah, for real. But Shannon, if you're listening, I just, Brian Reed on Look Facebook. But anyway, um, then there was Lake Forest mm. where I, um, you know, fell for a um, fell for for a teacher's daughter or whatever, and that one that that didn't that didn't sit too yeah. good with uh, with that teacher. I ain't gonna put her name out there like that though, <laughs> but that didn't sit well with her. Um, I've only had, I'll say one truly, I'll say racist uh, uh, thing ever happened to me, but it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. I was on a playground one day and I was the only black kid on the playground. This wasn't at school. It wasn't at, wasn't at school, but I was at, I was at Timmins Park. I put it out there. I was at Timmins Park one day and I was eight, nine years old mm-hmm. and, um, at first, I was playing with the, you know, playing with the other kids on the on the little merry-go-round or whatever. We we spinning it around or whatever, seeing who we can sling off mm-hmm. of it. And then these other two uh, these other two white boys showed up, and then all of a sudden everything just changed. Hmm. Whereas in 
it turned into oh don't don't let that black guy touch you or whatever I you'll see. catch his blackness and i was like i was like why are y'all running from because i would i would try to get in in the same little section of the merry-go-round where you know where yeah. where we previously were together yeah. you know having fun with this or whatever and then now it's no, I don't even want to stand next to them. I don't want to. They didn't want to be on the same merry-go-round with me. We went on the little jungle gym thing. They mm-hmm. they didn't want to be on there with me. We went to the swing. I mean, it's like everywhere I went, where they were, or whatever, mm-hmm. they'd move and leave and giggle and all that good stuff. After those two guys came or whatever, yeah. And that was really the only, the only uh, uh, racial situation that I've ever ever run across right here in, right here in the south i mean look Cause I, I, mean, I the the sad thing is i've seen more racial shit than you probably based on that story just because i had family members who were very open really? about it like on my not on the current side of my family but on the other side of my yeah. family and you know i dated a girl once whose mother was because if it, it, it's become secret yeah Nobody's going to be racist to your face. Right, right. They're racist when they think you can't hear them. son. And also, now... By the way, that was a really shitty egotistical statement for me. I've probably (laughs) seen more racism than you. Being the 42-year-old white man man. Yes, I've seen more than you. Let me explain to you about what the problem with the racism racism is. is. But I definitely (laughs) saw my share of it in that people... There's a great Bill Burr bit about... uh, a guy using the N-word around him that just assumes he can because he's white. Yeah. I'll send it to you. It's yeah. hysterical. Oh, I Because did. they assume... I dated a girl who was like one of the nicest, sweetest girls I'll ever know. Right. Her mother was not. <laughs> and if she saw someone of a mixed race come into a restaurant with a baby, she just couldn't hold her tongue. Really? She wouldn't say anything to them, but she would grumble about it. Oh, yes, she would grumble. And see, I, I feel sorry for yes. that girl cuz I I know exactly where she's coming from yes. because I've had a a senior parent not my mom or dad I ain't going to put you know which, which which side of the family it came from but I was I was always reminded of the story of when this particular elder parent would uh have to walk to school because they couldn't ride the bus at all anyway right and how the bus driver would slow down. This is this is what this person said. How the bus driver would slow down every day for the white kids to be able to spit on them. Oh my god! As they as they, yeah, and that's so. Now, I was I was living with this particular uh, uh, elder states person, <laughs> and uh, I was going to East Side. I had a little. I had a little white girlfriend, a girl named Joy, whatever. Joy, I just don't look, look him up. No, don't look. No, don't. Oh, I, no, I, I, no, no, it's, it's, it's all right. I've, I've, anyway, but um, it, Joy was Joy was my girl. Mm-hmm. That was my girl. I, I had a thing for blondes. I don't know what it was. I mean, I, I like your redheads, your brunettes too. Y'all are cool too, but boy, that blonde. Anyway, so I was going with Joy. Joy called the house one day, mm-hmm. and this. The person told me that don't you have that white girl calling my house? Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> that was perfect. <coughs> that was your phone. I think your phone even has a good sense of timing. I hope that happens again. <laughs> I know, right? Me, and but, then Phyllis Wheatley was taken to America on a ship called the Phyllis. Da, da, da. But anyway, and, yeah. 
But she said, don't have it. Don't have it. Don't have it. Call them so you've experienced the other side. Oh, yeah. Where people feel like it's okay because you're and, in the same quote unquote tribe. And that, 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 that made me mad. Mm-hmm. That, 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 that really hurt me because I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm not like that. So that's why I, 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 I know. And it is true that, that, that racism isn't, it's not inherited or whatever. Right. It's taught. It's taught. Absolutely. It's taught. Because if I was to listen to certain parts of my family or whatever, mm-hmm. I couldn't, I, I, I wouldn't be able to stand white folk. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to sit in the same room, talk with you, nothing like that. You you, you would just be somebody that I What you're to. saying is they will not be hearing this podcast. Oh, no. No, no, no. <laughs> but the reason I went off on that sidebar is because obviously you have a perspective of race that I will never have. Mm. And I think the perspective, what I've learned anyway about Phyllis Wheatley, and we will definitely get back into her in a second, mm-hmm. is that, you know, there is the roots idea and there is this brutal idea of all these people being in chains and how awful it is. Mm-hmm. But she was groomed in such a way that yeah. almost brainwashed to a certain extent yeah. to almost be thankful yeah. to her owners, Again. which is the weirdest thing. Yeah, that's a, Yes. A lot of her poetry reflects very favorably on mm-hmm. white people. Mm-hmm. She writes about white people mm-hmm. a lot. And, you know, uh, uh, I think uh, Dave Chappelle brought up a really great, it was either Dave Chappelle or Chris Rock that brought up a really great point. Yeah, I think it was Chappelle. Mm-hmm. That if he and a white friend traveled back in time mm-hmm. and saw George Washington, the white friend would be like, oh my God, it's George Washington, founder yeah. of the country. Yeah. Chappelle would be like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Right, exactly. he's a slave the owner. Because guess what? We're both right. <laughs> right, right. So it's exactly. like we have this way of wanting to look at history one way. And that's the most eye-opening thing to me about Phyllis Wheatley because you hear about like Frederick Douglass yeah. who went through absolute hell as a slave, got out, became an abolitionist, mm-hmm. was like, fuck this. I'm not going to let my people right. live in chains. Right. But this woman was treated. Well, yeah, she was treated well, but still a slave. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, that's, and, and it's, I, I can see where that would be weird. And, yes, and then but but I can I, I I can also see why she praised them so because I'm sure she was looking at the fact that at least I don't have it as bad yes as they do. Imagine being an eight year old brought over to this country, seeing people in bondage, seeing mm-hmm. people whipped, seeing mm-hmm. people tortured, that look like you, yeah, and you're like on you. that auction block, right? And you could go to anybody, mm-hmm. and I'm not. Saying these people are heroes, by the way. Right. I don't mean to right. like. No, put no, them oh, on a no, not at all. You're a slave owner. You're a slave owner. You're whatever slave is owner. wrong, right? Because if you want, you want, you want to impress me or whatever. Free Phyllis, then teach her. Exactly. Free her, then teach her. Exactly. Then. And there might be a logical reason why they didn't. Times were different. Yeah. You, hear, you hear the stories about people that bought slaves because they wanted to free them eventually, but mm-hmm. they couldn't until they felt like they could live on their own. Right. There yeah. are those people out there. But mm-hmm. I don't think that was the Wheatley's motivation. No. It certainly wasn't at first. Mm-mm. They no. took her to be a servant. Right. And exactly. then they realized, oh, she's she's smart. Right. And it's like we said earlier, and you brought up the great point, she became a show dog almost. Yeah, yeah. I guarantee you, if we could go ahead and go back in time or whatever, I guarantee you at the dinner parties or whatever, as Phyllis was serving these people, you know, serving the Wheatleys and their guests, yeah, they would, you know, probably after dinner or during dinner or whatever, be like, oh, oh yes. A quote the Odyssey. Quote, right. Exactly. <laughs> look and at like, what we've done. Look at, exactly. Exactly. And I'm even, a- and even, even though that's demeaning or whatever mm-hmm. to them back then, that was great. Yeah. 
you know. And I wonder if they even did like the golf clap. Like, oh, yeah, like, oh, good job. Smart Negro. Such a smart Negro. Look what you've done to a Negro. That's wonderful. (laughs) Exactly. You've raised us so well. Now clear the table. I mean, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Get back in the fucking kitchen. Right, exactly. You've done your You want to impress me or whatever? Be like, oh, yes, we are our guest. But she, sweetly is here. And, and according to the other notes I have, she started to develop her own sort of voice. Uh, and the documentary I watched, she she went on record by saying she was influenced by Alexander Pope, John Milton, and Homer. And again, the sad thing is, like, guess guess who they're not introducing her to? Right. Anyone that's not white. Exactly. Because they didn't know either. Exactly. Who knew there were intellectuals? In Africa, right. Right. And... So they take her up to New York, I think. What what else do you have about? I have her. I have her in Boston. Boston, which, you're yeah, right. Yeah, in Boston or whatever, which which kind of answers why she was treated the way she was treated because, uh, you know, they they weren't they weren't treating brothers like that there. Yeah, <laughs> down below Boston and down in the lower say. But that's you know that's also an interesting point to me as well because. Now Boston is considered or thought of as one of the most racist, is one of the most racist towns. There's a stereotype of yes. the townie, yeah, where it's just like the poor white guy mm-hmm. who's just angry at everything. Yes, and black people are to blame because I hear that, and I I mainly hear that in you know from guys that are in sports. Yeah, because you know you you you. You hear about guys that play ball up there, and they and and they say they hear things from the crowd oh, yeah. or whatever. And I, and I only hear that. It's amazing. Them boys from the SEC, you don't hear that in Miss in, in Mississippi. No, 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 or you don't no, hear no, it no. in Alabama. I will say the most opposed to the occasional Klan rally that mm. I have seen in Virginia. <laughs> Let's just put a pin in that one. But the oh, most right. outwardly casual racism I've ever heard was in New York. I'd never heard anyone in the South yell the N-word casually. Right. Really? When I was in New York, mm-hmm. I'm walking down an alley. These two Italian guys are like throwing dump- trash out of behind mm. their restaurant. And this one guy's just talking loud as fucking anything. And then this N-word comes up to me. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? My You're white like, virgin ears, <laughs> and like I've heard the word before. Yeah, yeah, but, but then, again, behind closed doors, right? When right, white people are around other white people. Oh, they I don't know. know where you stand. That's why you know I I'm, I might make a lot of folk mad, but a lot of folk like to say that oh I've never used that word. That word has never even come up in my mind. A lot, yeah, of, people a lot of people have. Yeah, it has. It has, and and it's 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 all right because I come up with colorful words to call white people all the time. I mean, it, <laughs> nothing's it, quite it, as offensive. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. nothing that you can say to a white person that is on the That's same on level. that level of yeah, for real. Because there's nothing that I can say to a white dude or whatever. Call me the would, worst white insult you can think of. Yeah, you can do all of them or whatever, but you call a brother the N word, you. Ch- you get you you got him and everybody that know mm-hmm. that you called him that or whatever ready to kill you. Yeah, they people are on like the telegraph. Yeah, we got that's And then the telegraph started. Y'all ain't gonna believe what this mother just called. Yeah, exactly. No, he didn't. So it's just not the same. No, I have been called a cracker before, and like that is the whitest word ever. Yeah, because it's cracker. 
But what do you like to put in your soup? Crackers. That's the thing, though. It's not even. That's not even the cracker they talking about. Right. That whole thing came from the crack of the wheel. Yes. Oh so no, absolutely. I know like, that. Yeah. So it's almost like a if if, if it's you an look insult at it in weird... of empathy. Right. It's not, but, but but even that insult is acknowledging that at the time he was master. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And I I don't like it because no. that intones that. Right. But it's not being told you're lower than me. Right. Exactly. Because that end where just there's there's nothing. And that's why her psychology is the most fascinating thing to me about Phyllis Wheatley. Mm -hmm. Other than the fact that she was a beautiful poet. Mm -hmm. The words she used, the flow she used, the meter she used was gorgeous. I don't really like poetry, but the poems I've read of hers are just like, wow. But it's always from this perspective of... There's no anger. Mm-mm. There's no iron bondage. Why was I in chains? Because I think she was. I think she was grateful. I think she I was too. I do think she was grateful to a certain extent. Because I, I believe she she wasn't free, but she had freedoms. Right, freedoms that other slaves didn't right. have. Right. It's like you take the table scraps. Right. It's like you take the scrap, the better scraps than mm-hmm. the other. You right. know, dogs get right. She didn't get chitlins okay or whatever, that. like the like 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 the like the field slaves. She didn't get chitlins. She actually no. got to get the pork chop and the bacon. And, and especially when and you look at stuff. it, like if she had lived a life into adulthood, let's just say, and then been kidnapped and then been taken to oh, America, I believe her writings and treated would be different. respectfully, quote unquote, in the world of being a slave, her outlook probably would have been yeah. extremely different. Yeah. Like, I, I yeah, think that thanks be for not beating me, but fuck you. Yeah, exactly. Let me go. I believe her poetry would sound almost like a damn public enemy. Well, album was speaking like. of which, let's get back into some of her poems. Okay. Her first published book was called... And the sad thing was she only really had one published hmm. poetry book. You know, which I is still a major... No, it's accomplishment it's, for way it's insane. back then. Because I mean, you really have to look back at at that time of whatever. We're talking pre-revolution, mm-hmm. pre-Christmas addicts and all them kids. This is this is this predates all of them. Before America was free, mm-hmm. she had freedoms. Yes, I mean you can look uh, at it like that. Oh, uh, here's one. On virtue, that's the name of this poem. Mm-hmm. O thou bright jewel, in my aim I strive to comprehend thee, thine own words declare. Wisdom is higher than a fool can reach. Mm-hmm. I cease to wonder and no more attempt thine height to explore or fathom thy profound. But O my soul, sink not into despair. Virtue is near there and with gentle hand would now embrace thee. Hovers o'er thine head. Fain would be heaven-born soul with her converse. Then seek, then court for her, her promised bliss, auspicious queen, thine heavenly pinion spread and lead celestial chastity along. Mm. Lo, now her sacred retinue descends, arrayed in glory from the orbs above. Attend me, virtue, though my youthful years, oh, leave me not to the false joys of time, but guide my steps to endless life and bliss. Greatness or goodness, say what shall I call ye, and give a higher appellation still. Teach me a better strain, a nobler lay. O thou enthroned with cherubs in the realms of day. I no, <laughs> I couldn't write that. You now that now I couldn't I couldn't write that and be a slave. I couldn't I couldn't write that and be a student, much less a slave. Yeah, but you could hear, you could hear where, where yeah, she's been taught the Bible. Absolutely, you can tell she's the, been taught. One the of the Bible. biggest subjects of her poems was faith, because mm-hmm. she was taught, and again. 
How, how, what a mind fuck would that be mm-hmm. to be a slave and be taught about God and how to love God mm-hmm. and love Christ? I'm not religious at all. Right, right. But you teach this person up like, yeah, God loves you. Christ loves you. We're still what? better than you. You're, yeah, <laughs> right. But then you still use the Bible or whatever in, in, uh, in, in your poetry and in, in, in some of the form, the uh, forming of your poetry. You can hear where she had studied a lot of those uh, philosophers. Absolutely. Too. You can hear all that. In she there bought too. into the Christian philosophy oh, hook, line, and sinker. She sure did. And I don't know if it, because, you know, some people become Christian because, or religious because it's, it's, it's the last straw. They're in right. jail or they're yeah, broken yeah. by life. Yeah, you're doing 15 to life or whatever. And then yeah, nine, you like, find God. I found a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. in this case, she was just taught that. Mm-hmm. Now, her first poem was published when she was 12. It was printed in the Newport Mer- Mercury, Mercury, Mercury now, something like that. This is to say, this is to say that they that this child had come over at eight or nine, mm-hmm. and within four years had a published poem. Had a published poem. Yes. Which which also lends to what you were saying about how, yeah, they may have brought her over as a mm-hmm. servant or whatever, but. I believe the Wheatleys deep within were like, you know, this is wrong. We, I think they felt like they were rescuing her. Oh, I definitely think they did. I, think, I, yeah, I totally I agree. I believe they thought they were rescuing her. I think or they did too. Because if they didn't or whatever, she wanted to be able to read and write fluently or whatever mm-hmm. in four years to go from, you know, the, the language she spake in Africa and then to come here mm-hmm. and then learn English and then mm-hmm. to be able to read it and write it enough to have it I failed published. Spanish in high school. I did too. <laughs> I feel all I can say was water. Yeah. Hey. And my name is Brian. For some reason, I remember Vosotros. I don't know why. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> See, that's, that's, I took French for a year and I slept every day. Yeah. I slept in class every day because it was boring. Yeah. It was boring. So the Wheatley's teacher, they take her to, into the Boston and the city. And mm-hmm. They're like, we, she wrote this great poem. Fucking publish it. So it gets published the in the fact newspaper. That somebody even put, yeah, kudos and props to the, uh, to the newspaper. Yeah. But then again, did they know? That's the thing. I think they wouldn't have done it if they if didn't they know yeah. that the Wheatley's were her masters. Because mm-hmm. even... Because this was before uh, enough before the Civil War to where you know this before it the Revolutionary before, War, yeah, right, right. Yeah, this before was all right them. before yes. the Revolutionary yeah. War. In fact, she in 1768 was on record as praising King George, but then once the Revolution starts, mm-hmm. she completely sides with America, and I think mm-hmm. that was her biggest rebellious moment where mm-hmm. she was like, "Oh, these guys are fighting for their freedom," but the irony is, she's part right. of the country. That's yes. fighting for their freedom. It's just, yeah, fuck yeah. Get your freedom, you assholes. Yeah. 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 Never once going, okay. I ain't free. I'm not free. Hey guys, this is Evan. Hey, Jason Underwood. And if you're enjoying listening to the Lucky 10,000, then come on over to a podcast where nobody's ever getting lucky, ever. Here on the Lucky 10,000, you're here to learn, but with the bearded ones, we're here to make you laugh. And and maybe you'll learn something while you're laughing. Yeah, learn something like about Batman. <laughs> I mean, for we were on a stint of Matlock for a while. I, it was funny to me. Not the, hey, I mean, I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, that's not how you sell it. Come anything. on over, listen to the Bearded One podcast, I guess. I yeah, mean, I, I like it. I'd be a shit salesman. <laughs> um, Come buy this car. I mean, I drove it once. You, yeah, probably, you probably wouldn't like yeah, it. Yeah, you don't want to. <laughs> you don't want to. You know what? Fuck this. Don't listen to the Bearded One. <laughs> 
Come on, check us out. Bearded Ones Comedy Podcast on the Bearded Pods Network. I knew that. I didn't know that. Well, that's why we're here, listening to the Lucky 10,000. You learn something new with every episode. And while you're here at the Bearded Pods Network, you might want to come and give us some pod love. We're Teddy and the Bass Man. We cover all sorts of subjects, speak with tons of interesting guests, and entertain you with a melange of vintage commercials and jingles, and a whole plethora of eclectic music. You might even learn something from us as well. It'll probably be about bondage, but... Teddy and the Baseman. The name of her first book was Poems on Various Subjects, Religious and Moral. And Moral, yeah. That was the name of her first book. Now, Mm -hmm. the Wheatleys did pass on, and she was freed, Mm -hmm. eventually. Mm Mm-hmm. Because she had kids. She had... I know, yeah, I know. Go ahead and say it. (laughs) Because this is where you think, oh, this is the end of the movie. She's been freed. Now she goes on to live this beautiful life. And she writes book after book after book and becomes a famous, wealthy author. Yeah, life doesn't work out like movies. (laughs) Yeah, but if if my research is correct, she had three. Mm -hmm. And two of them died. My research said all three. All three of them died. I heard. I heard. I heard yeah. <laughs> I heard yeah. Like, yo, man, nah, that ain't what she told me. Because <laughs> she did marry a guy. She met a freed slave yeah. named yeah. John. John Peter. John Peter. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 And they had three children that all died uh, very young. I think they were still infants. Mm-hmm. They were. Yeah. They. They were. Yeah. Yeah. So she ended up being childless, poor. Uh-huh. Because she was freed, but then her husband was imprisoned because he had all this debt. I don't know if this was sharecropping or not. I know that there was a time where, as sort of revenge for slaves being freed, debt became the new slavery. Yeah. Like, I I will give you a job. I Mm -hmm. will give you the money. And then I will make it impossible for you to pay me back so that it's indentured servitude for the rest of your life. And that... And believe it or not, oh man, I'm glad you brought that up because that also reminds me of something that uh, I did some research back when I did, uh, man, I sound uppity, back when I did A Time to Kill. Yes, yes, I did some research. I was in that show. Yes, 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 you you remember. Mm -hmm. And that was when I learned that they still have like the the some of the sharecropping like ideas and practices mm-hmm. or whatever today man of course they do that's crazy cuz i watched the i watched this youtube joint or whatever where <laughs> joint i watched this youtube uh little clip where there was this this family this 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 brother and his wife or whatever and they were living in a house no bigger than your front mm-hmm. room man and they would stand there because the man they worked for owned that, and that was the only way that they could afford to live in where was mm-hmm. to work for that man and live in that. And I mean, there was a line, a wire that ran out the roof of where, so I guess they did have a light or something mm-hmm. in there and in, in their hut house or whatever it was. But that stuff is still going on. Not now. to sound like a stoned hippie <laughs> that just had this weird revelation that he thinks no one's ever had. But isn't that basically what every every form of debt is about you yeah. keep people from being upwardly mobile right. by making all this credit and all this yep. stuff seems so appealing so and appealing. then you get a mortgage on your house you get credit cards and the interest rates spike 
and you're paying that shit. College loans, you're paying that shit back for the rest of your life. That's why all these little payday, <laughs> these little payday loan places, mm-hmm. and these little finance places yep. or whatever, and these uh, uh title loan places mm-hmm. or whatever, they're near those type of, uh, of of communities because there isn't. I mean. I love y'all up there in Chanticleer and Thorn Blades and all that good stuff, but y'all don't have those. Y'all got the most expensive cars. You got the better cars, so mm-hmm. why wouldn't you set up those type of businesses around there? Exactly. Because they're not going to use them. Exactly. But across the river there or whatever back there in the valley and, and, and the 25th District or whatever, mm-hmm. they're going to use that. Right up here and, and, and on the other end of Augusta Road, they're going to use mm-hmm. that. Up here off of 291, they're going to use that or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you know, once you get on up Pelham, you don't see those. Right. <laughs> and that's that's the way it works. And mm-hmm. I'm not sitting there trying it's a big white conspiracy, yeah, whatever. No, no, but no. I mean it's a money conspiracy for oh, sure. Oh it is. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All it's day. Just, just like just a rent center. To... They're in a rent center, they're in a rent center or or you can rent furniture here or whatever anywhere on Pelham Road. So this shit is still going on. Right now. And this is what the, the, the saddest part of Phyllis Wheatley's whole story to me is that her life got worse. Yeah. Once she was free. Once she was free. She was poor. She was in debt. She never uh, got another book published in her lifetime. And uh, she, do you know how old she was when she died? How old was she? She died in 1784 at the age oh. of 31. Wow. So this woman like- who, this, the, the first ever female African-American mm. published poet mm. could have been legend. Yeah. And until you brought her up, yep. I was like, "Why that name sounds familiar?" Yeah. She's not yeah. Maya Angelou, right? Right. You know, right. She's and it's not- like, what a sad statement for this person. Thirty-one. That she was groomed in a way. It's almost like she. The one thing they couldn't teach her was how to live without them. Yeah. And I'm not and saying that, that's true because I don't know enough details. But you know that 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 could, that 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 could hold true too. You know, just like a lot of. Um, how a lot of old people or whatever, mm-hmm. when they've been married for so long, to, like George and Barbara Bush. Mm-hmm. After Barb died, George wasn't around, what, three? I, I, I bet he wasn't here three months after that girl died. Yeah. No, he wasn't here long at yeah. all. But yeah. it's like, the you would think the Wheatleys would have taught her, like, hey, look, we wanted to free you. But I think, in a way, when people do shit like that, and this is just this is me adding personal theory, mm-hmm. and it's just sort of washing your hands of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You want to do something about it because eventually you feel guilty, but yeah. you don't want to do... In the kink world, they call it the aftercare. Yeah. It's like going back to Frederick Douglass. I read a really good book on him, and uh, he had a partner in abolition called William, I want to say William Henry Harrison, mm-hmm. but that was the fucking yeah. president that died <laughs> yeah, in like yeah, 30 days. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was. they were partners, man. They were all about freeing the slaves. Yeah. But the second the slaves got freed, this guy farts off and goes, well... My work is done. And Frederick Douglass is like, no, 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 no. No. Now you've got all these people that need help building a life. Right. Because racism is still a thing. They've never known what it's like to be free. Right. I mean, it's, man, I I see the same thing in, gosh, it's weird. But, but, but I've seen the same thing happen with a lot of, uh, a a lot of guys that, that have served a lot of time in jail. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they go in, and back when they went in, you know, to have a brand new flow model color TV of yep. Curtis Mathis or Zenith was the bomb. Yeah. Then they getting out of jail. Now you got flat screens on the wall mm-hmm. and 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 HD or whatever, and they're mind blown. They they don't know how to adjust to yes. that. Yes. 
They don't know how to adjust it. They don't know how to adjust I mean, to even just being... Speaking as a person who's experienced this, <laughs> because I watched the Shawshank Redemption, yeah. I can identify. Yeah, yeah, and my friend Andy Dufresne. Yeah. Now, was there, uh, in your research, did you come across a poem or anything like that that really struck a chord with you from her? Just the one you read. The first one you read. Yeah, that one really hit me. The first one. That one really hit yeah. me, too. Yeah. Because you, ex- again, you expect this anger and this venom and this. Right. But she's like. And you don't get it. No. It's you almost like you it. want her to be pissed off. That's like. You want to go back and shake her. But you, but what's right? That she had this life and that you, she was treated well, comparatively speaking, and that she ended up being a published poet. Right. You would expect her to write like you hear, like you hear Tupac, or like you yeah. hear, uh. Um, uh, who are some other defiant brothers, uh, that are good with the lyrics, uh, public enemy, uh, X clan and stuff like that. You know, you, I expected to hear more stuff like that, mm-hmm. but to hear, you know, to, to hear and read what she wrote or whatever, I'm like, Oh, that is different, which, mm-hmm. which is, which is what throws you into the conversation about, okay, well, why does she think like that? How can you think like that as a slave? Well, if you're a slave that's not tr- being treated like, uh, you know, like 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 Kunta and and the, right. and the fellows or whatever, then yeah, you might you might not write super glowingly about being a slave, but but that first poem yeah. shocked me. Yeah, right, because you don't expect anybody to. And I don't mean to sound slave. like I'm criticizing. No, her. no, no, because I feel you. I feel you in that. All day long, I feel you in that because I, I I got the same reaction. I'm like, how can she? And I'm looking through her work would, and it's like poem after poem after poem. Of um, I ain't mad at you. Grateful she is. Yeah. And mostly about heaven and yeah, God. And, exactly. And she feels the love. I think I think that also shows that she was extremely optimistic too. Yes, very much. Very much optimistic, you know, because I, I couldn't... I, it, I think everybody's... Well, most most brothers have thought about you know how I would live back then, man. If I was back then or whatever, I'd I'd, I'd be like this, I'd be like that. Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine the state of mind that people that that brothers had to be in back then. Whereas in man, you don't know who you can trust. Mm-hmm. You know, you 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 the people that that came over to the Wheatley's house or whatever to um, you know for dinner and then heard Phyllis speak French and heard her, you know, um, uh, you know, converse with them on philosophy, how I'm sure they didn't go home and was like, oh, that was so incredible. Right. Believe that was so special and awesome that they taught, you know, young Phyllis to read and write and she can recite, she can, she can write Aren't poetry. Aren't they a lovely pair? Yeah, yeah, no. Because it wasn't like it was Phyllis Wheatley and her group of friends that right. were writing poetry, you know what I'm saying? So if if there were more that really felt like the uh, Wheatleys felt or whatever, they'd be Phyllis Wheatley and friends. Right. You know, they'd be, I mean, not like they were the super friends or nothing, but there would have been more than just Phyllis in that right. in, in that circle or whatever. What about the Wheatleys' friends' slaves? Mm-hmm. You, know, what, 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 you know, what about them? <clears throat> but I digress. I digress. <laughs> this is the only thing I found, and this is interesting, and we can close with this. To S.M., a mm-hmm. young African painter, to show the laboring bosom's deep intent, 
and thought in living characters to paint. When mm. first thy pencil did those beauties give, and breathing figures learned from thee to live. Oh, this is really long. Ooh. I probably shouldn't. Do <laughs> but you Go know what? Me. I'm going to find. Oh, okay. This is interesting to me. This poem is called A Farewell to America. Adieu, oh. New England smiling meads. Adieu, the flowery plain. I leave thine opening arms, O spring, and tempt the roaring main. In vain for me the florets rise and boast their gaudy pride. While here beneath the northern skies, I mourn for health denied. Celestial maid of rosy hue, oh, let me feel thy reign. I languish till thy face I view, thy vanished joys regain. Susanna mourns, nor can I bear to see the crystal shower, or mark the tender falling tear at sad departure's hour. Mm. But let no sighs, no groans for me, steal from her pensive breast. In vain the feathered warblers sing, in vain the garden blooms. And on the bosom of the spring Ooh. breathes out her sweet perfumes. Now, that's not the whole thing, but I think that's a really interesting start to, she again, liked, this optimistic. But it also showed she cared about the people around her. Right. And she never looked at herself as in bondage. And I think that's I, I think that's important to her. Uh, uh, you know, but you but but still, you would think that would make you live long, though. Yeah. To not, I think to not hold the sec- it seems like, like the latter half of her life was just too hard. Lose three kids. Your husband is imprisoned and dies. I think yeah. it all just took its toll. I don't know what she died of. Yeah. Poor research on my part. But yeah, that's, uh, it really uh, it really sticks with you. Yeah, for real. That's a perspective I'd never thought about before. Mm-hmm. And thank you, Brian, yeah, we, for um, uh, allowing me to learn a little bit more about Phyllis Wheatley. You're always welcome, man. Now, if somebody wants to get welcome. in touch with you... How could they do that? You can get in touch with Brian Reader on Facebook at Brian R. Reader. You'll see me there. There's a bootleg Brian Reader page out there with me in a blue sweater. That's not me. That's the old uh, page that got hacked. But anyway, you can find me on Facebook at Brian R. Reader. You'll see me reading a talk magazine there with my beard. And um, uh, you can catch me on uh, Instagram at Brown1312. You got any shows coming up? I am. Let me ask that again. You got any shows coming? <laughs> no, I have no. You shows have a break. Now. I have a break. Well, congratulations. I don't. Well, then again, I don't know how long it's gonna last because uh, we're about to ramp up the Shakespeare Festival again. Uh, and I yeah. got to do it. I of love course. the Shakespeare Festival, man. It's a lot of fun. Yes, it's a lot of fun. Yes. Well, I anyway, Brian, thank you so much for being on this show Y'all once welcome. again. Yes. Easy man to talk to. And I'll be and, back. Uh, Thank you for uh, revealing a piece of yourself yes. that uh, uh, I don't think you revealed publicly before. Shannon. Well, um, she was fine. Oh, see, I was talking about all the racist stuff. Oh, oh, you know, like, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, that hot yeah, blonde yeah, yeah, chick. Yeah, yeah, around me, my bad. But that, <laughs> yeah, but that blonde old Shows you how deep Brian goes. Oh, God. I did reveal this hot chick that yeah, I dated. Boy, I mean, her eyes were like, like, what? Yeah, well, we, can, we can talk about this. Often. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you so much. We hope you've enjoyed this show. If you give us a five-star review and sit to your iTunes, we'll, we'll read it eventually on the air since mm-hmm. I'm recording all these within a short time frame of two weeks to start posting them all once they're recorded. I'll if you it. give us a five-star review before I see it during the season, might not get around to it till next season, but I definitely will read it at some point. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this show. I hope you learned a little something. And I hope you got lucky tonight. Brian Reed, everybody. Thank you for being part of the Lucky Toll Thousand with your host, Evan.
Email us at lucky10,000 at gmail.com. Find Lucky 10,000 on Twitter at lucky underscore 10k. And visit our podcast network site at beardedpodsnetwork.com.